This is the Triangle and Two Podcast, sponsored by Yates Contracting, LLC. Hey, everybody. It's season three, episode nine, and it's probably my favorite podcast to do every year because it's officially March Madness time. We usually record this on Monday, but we're doing it on Selection Sunday because we just want to get it out faster. It's going to be a big podcast. We're going to break down, of course, NC State, Duke, Carolina. We've got some special guests as well. As always, it's Andrew and Nate here on the Triangle and Two podcast. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Triangle and underscore two. So we're going to break down those teams, and then we're going to give you our March Madness overall thoughts. We're going to break down the bracket, maybe give you some dark horses, and uh, you know our advice is just like anybody else's. You know, it's it's hit or miss. It's March Madness. You don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, it's mainly hit. I mean, let's be honest. It's here. mainly well. You're getting it from us. Take it to the bank. But. Bold words from you. Oh yeah, you're feeling some type of way tonight. Always, always. You're pumped. You're more pumped up than I am. This is this is. I literally, I take two days off work every year just for this. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> March Madness is Thursday and Friday of March Madness are the best. That's all there is to it. Do you even call in sick, or you just put in vacation days? I put. I, <laughs> Does your boss question. listen to the podcast? That's a trick question. I don't know. I don't know who <laughs> listens to this. We'll just. I work from home now. I'm still going to get some work done. I'm going to be working through watching March Madness. When I didn't work from home, I caught in sick. <laughs> that, that's a fact. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. And uh, to talk about NC State in the tournament, we welcome in James Curl. James, first of all, thank you for uh, joining us. Hi, uh, thanks. I appreciate you guys letting me come on. I'm I'm big fans of uh, what y'all do, and uh, I'm. I'm happy to be able to join you and talk a little NC State and NCAA tournament. Yeah, we appreciate it. I'm sure most of our listeners right now already know who you are, but you can follow them at James Curl on Twitter. It's uh, C-U-R-L with an E at the end of it. And, uh, of course, most people know who you are because, I don't know, were you the first person in the Triangle to do a podcast? You had to be one of the uh, the Triangle podcasting forefathers. Um, I, I don't think that I can say with good confidence that I was first, but, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I always jokingly say we were the first podcast to be recorded live in front of, uh, an Italian restaurant in Raleigh. Um, there you go. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that was, that was a pretty clear, uh, uh, win for us, but no, it was, it was fun kind of getting in, uh, a little bit on the ground floor. There, there were some others in, in the, uh, the realm. In fact, um, I think James Henderson had a, uh, uh, a Pack Pride podcast that predated us, but, uh, it was fun getting a chance to record it live there to medias and, and have on some, some great guests and, um, get to, to talk a lot of NC State sports. And, and it was a fun five year run that we had doing it. So, and, and I appreciate you letting me get an opportunity to kind of stretch my podcast legs again. Yeah, of course. You're you're a uh, a legend in the in the triangle podcasting realm and uh certainly an expert on all things NC State. I'm actually curious um because we didn't know each other uh like before before Twitter. So, how did you find us? I'm just curious. Did you just stumble across our um, podcast? Yeah, I you know, that's a very good question. I think I saw it uh retweeted into my feed at some point or along the way or um you know, or maybe I just did a search for, you know, ACC basketball. And, you know, when when State is doing well, I get hungry for content because I want to hear what mm-hmm. other people kind of outside NC State's realm are saying. I mean, it, you know, I'm sure you guys are aware that things can kind of get 
a little echoey if you just follow the same NC State folks all the time or Carolina or Duke or whatever. And uh, I just was really thrilled that you guys focused on all three teams here in the area. And I think you do a really good job, you know, being fair and, and treating all three teams equally. It's not, you know, um, you know, one or, or other teams treated with, uh, you know, more or less respect. I think you guys have a good mix of uh, all three teams and talking about all three of them. And uh, it just was a, a good fit. And, and the more I listened to you guys, the more I really started to enjoy your show. So. Uh, anytime I've had an opportunity to kind of to spread the word, I've tried to. Uh, I thought you guys had a really strong take on Joel Berry's comments about State not being a rival, um, and I felt the way that you guys broke it down and, and explained that yes, in fact, we are rivals. Uh, you know, it it wasn't you know it wasn't uh, with any sort of uh, disdain for Joel Berry or his comments or you know dismissive of NC State. It was handled pretty fairly, and I thought you guys did a great job of it. So. Uh, like I said, just a big fan of you guys. Well, we really appreciate it, and uh, I'm glad you stumbled across us because now we we get to interview you. So let's let's get into it. Um, first off, I'd kind of like just your overall thoughts before we get into March Madness and everything, and what state's going to do, and what are the keys, and all that. Um, what are your overall thoughts of of this season? You know, the expectations. I'm sure your expectations probably weren't that high. Well, I guess the the overwhelming. Uh, or overarching theme is that this is this Dalbin kind of gravy. Uh, you know, it's um, in most year one or year zero, I've heard that term used before as well, when you have to kind of restart and start over. Um, you know, a lot of times there aren't high expectations. I, I did feel like State being picked 12th, I believe, um, was a little low, but it's understandable. I mean, you don't know. Just how uh, solid the coach is going to be when they get to, you know, a, a new program, despite whatever successes they may have had coming from their old school. Um, I, I I felt optimistic based on what I had seen he had done uh, at UNCW, um, and I felt like there was going to be pieces there in place if they stuck around. And you know, uh, Malika Boo decided to stay, and I thought that was a big piece. And so I, I felt like. 12th was a little bit pessimistic, but understandable. Uh, but I certainly didn't see fifth coming, uh, or I guess you could say tying, uh, you know, for third with four other teams. Um, you know, it was there was a, a lot of, um, you know, unexpected wins along the way. That, that Arizona win was a real eye opener, um, and you know, obviously beating State or excuse me, uh, Carolina and Duke in the first year was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I did think that there would be some unexpected losses along the way and there were, um, but all in all, I'm just, I'm thrilled that we're back in the tournament in year one. Um, I'm almost a little bit kind of worried that, uh, it's going to shoot our expectations moving forward so high that, uh, we might be no, a that little never bit unfair. State, James. You know that <laughs> that never happens at NC state. We, we are a rational, uh, even killed bunch, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, uh, well, I guess my question will kind of be along that path. You know, you mentioned uh, kind of exceeding expectations. Um, so just kind of wh- what do you think NC State as a whole, what do you think the mindset is going into the tournament? Is this all just a victory parade for, you know, a, a successful regular season? Or, you know, now now you're sitting as a nine seed here in Wichita, Kansas. Um <laughs> 
I guess what 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 are you looking at of this tournament to call it a success? Well, um, I, I'm I'm not going to be you know greatly upset if we don't you know get past Seton Hall. Um, you know Seton Hall. I, I I'll be honest. I've not watched a single minute of their basketball all season long. Um, but you know just looking at some of the numbers and. I mean, we've got identical 21 and 11 records and we're, we're fairly close to one another in the Ken Palm rankings. And, and in fact, a lot of our stats tend to match up comparably with respect to, you know, offensive and defensive efficiency and some of that, uh, stuff. So I think you'll probably see two teams that are, are, uh, fairly similar, similar when we face each other. But, um, you know, the funny thing about expectations is, you know, the season starts, you're not really expecting much of anything. You just want to kind of see the team play well. And they get some big wins against Arizona and then Duke and, and then Carolina. And then suddenly your expectations shift. And, you know, um, I think a lot of state fans uh, are already starting to kind of pencil in a W against Seton Hall and looking forward to that Kansas matchup. And uh, that's obviously premature. But um, I, I, I think it would be great to get – past Seton Hall and, and get a chance to face Kansas again. You know, they were the team that uh, Godfrey faced in his first run to the Sweet 16, uh, and we nearly beat them in that game, if I recall. And uh, obviously there's a, some storylines there with Devontae Graham that are kind of interesting. So, um, you know, I, I, it would be great. I'm, I'm not expecting us to um, advance much further than the first weekend, but uh you know, I'd love to see us get one, and, and if we get one, then anything from there would be pretty much uh, icing on a, the cake of a pretty great season. Yeah, I think that, that Kansas game last time, I think that was the first of Perry Ellis's like, seven seasons there. Um, <laughs> I, you know, James, is Kevin Keats a winner? Where, where are you at with him? Completely over the moon, or are you just, like, pretty happy? Where are you at with, with Coach Keats? I, you know, I'm – Kevin Keats is a winner, first of all. Uh, let's make that quite clear. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's well established at this point. Um, I, I think, uh, I mean, I think most state fans are, are just thrilled with him, um, for a lot of the reasons of what we've already kind of discussed. The fact that we've, uh, in year one kind of exceeded a lot of benchmarks that we didn't expect to surpass. But, you know, I just like the fact that, you know, he's, he doesn't seem, he seems very even keeled. Um, and he, he seems supremely confident. You know, if, if there's a, if there's a trait, a trait that kind of runs through a lot of the great coaches and players over time is that they just have an unyielding, uh, confidence in their own abilities. Um, sometimes it manifests itself, uh, you know, uh, arrogantly and, and sometimes it's just, uh, you know, it's a swagger. Uh, it, you know, it can come out in different forms, but I think Kevin Keyes just has this belief that he is a winner and he will win. And there's, you know, there, it's not a matter of if we get the right pieces in place or if things go the right way, or if things play out the way I expect they will, then I will be a winner. It's I'm going to be a winner. <laughs> and, you know, that's a kind of confidence that I don't think many, um, I don't think that's a confidence that we're used to as a as a fan base when it comes to basketball. Not since the Valvana era. I mean, you don't think Herb Sendak just oozed swag <laughs> in, in in his own quiet way? Uh, maybe 
Herb had some measure of swagger. Um, <laughs> I mean. I'd be curious to know what Julius Hodge would say if you asked him that question, if Herb had swag. Uh, well, he works but, for uh, now, so he's a little biased, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I, I'm sure he has seen a, a side to Herb Syndic that none of us got treated to just because Herb was so reserved and, and he never wanted to show any of his cards. Um, you know, Kevin Keats is not afraid to show you what's in his hand because he knows that he's going to beat you no matter what you have in your hand. Um to continue the card playing analogy. So um, I, I, it's infectious. I think it um, – I'll say for me personally, as I was watching this team go along this year uh, and it crystallized itself early on in the Arizona game, was um, this team just doesn't get rattled. Um, it counterpunches with the best of them. And that's, that's, uh, that's a quality that's very easy to love about a basketball team. You know, you know, there were there were times during the Godfrey era where we would get upset wins or, you know, play above our station, I guess, if you will. Um, but it always felt like, you know, you had to get a, a kind of a buffer zone between you and the opponent just to kind of make sure that when the last eight minutes of the game came, you had enough distance between you and the opponent to weather whatever run that they were going to make. And it was hanging on for dear life. And, you know, I've seen several times during this year, you know, NC State would get down or, or a team would, you know, go on a 10 or 12 point run and State would fire right back and get eight points here, nine points there, and they'd be right back in it or they would take the lead. So, um, just to sum it up, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited about what the future holds for, for Kevin Keats. It'll, it'll be weird next year because it'll be almost a completely different team, but, you know, he's he's instilled a level of confidence that I don't think most state fans have had for quite some time. I think that's fair to say. Um, when you peel back the, the onion for this, this weekend's games here, you know, we'll get into the stick of it a little bit. Um, just overall, for NC State to be successful this weekend, what do you think is your number one thing that has to happen? Well, it, it has to not look like the team we saw in Brooklyn. Um, that, that game against Boston College, we looked like a team, you know, I just spent the last five minutes, you know, gushing praises over how good of a, a job Kevin Keats has done in instilling confidence in this team. And they came out and looked very flat against Boston College and, and tired. Um, which was also counter to what we had, you know, discussed all year long about how this team had an emphasis on conditioning and was going to be the team that had more legs at the end of the game. And against Boston College, we just looked like we had, you know, not, I don't know, we, we, we ate, you know, 4,000 calories right before tip-off or something. We just looked sluggish and ill-prepared in that game. And I think, you know, what we're going to need to see against Seton Hall is, you know, a team that's the aggressor, that's focused, um, you know, and, and a team that isn't going to beat itself by letting, you know, the opponent run up and down the court. Uh, and, and um, you know, just uh, be the more active team. I, I think where State is, is most effective is when, you know, they're uh, playing with a lot of confidence and are the more active and aggressive team. You know, it's, we're, we're not – we don't have a team that can kind of be passive and win. We have to be more aggressive than Seton Hall. And hopefully if we get past them, you know, Kansas. So I just want a team that looks sharp. 
focused and, and ready to play. Hey, James, last question for you. Um, you know, in the NCAA tournament, they generally let guys play a little more. Um, there's a little more contact. And I think that that maybe sets up well for NC State, uh, especially with the big men getting in foul trouble, and particularly focusing on Malika Boo. Because as you said earlier, you thought getting him back for this year would be a huge piece. And he's uh, it's not fair to say he's been a non-factor, but compared to what we've seen from him in the past, he's been relatively – he just hasn't been much of a factor. Do you think that uh, he might be the wild card for NC State in the tournament? Because – they haven't gotten a whole lot out of him this year, and I'm thinking that, you know, it's his final go-around. He might bust out a special game or two. Yeah, I'm hoping for that as well. Um, you know, I think Malik found himself in a position this year where, you know, he he's in a system that completely uh, – or that's completely different from where he was being utilized a year before or in the previous seasons under Mark Godfrey. Um, sure. You know, uh, you know, Kevin wants to run kind of, you know, a, a rim-protecting big man around the basket and then have four guards around him. And Malik is just, he's not that guy. And, you know, he he's often, you know, kind of playing the four position, which would normally be kind of a, a, a small forward or a shooting guard type, uh, like a, you know, Torn Dorn, let's say. And it, it's just a, a role that's not suited to his skill set. Um so, you know, the times I think where we've seen he and Leonard Freeman take the court together, um, they they have seemed a little bit out of place because, you know, Leonard's certainly not going to be out on the wing and, and, you know, Malik kind of finds himself out there uh, away from the basket as that, you know, that four. Um, you know, all that said, you know, if if we're in a position and, and we need Malik to give some fouls, uh, it'd be great to have him for that role. and. And I do hope that he has an opportunity to kind of bust out, show some athleticism. Um, I, you know, I think if they do let, you know, the players play a little bit more, maybe that means that Omir Yurtseven won't find himself in some, you know, foul trouble. He, he tends to pick up some cheap ones around the basket and we need him to be on the court, uh, as much as possible. Um, he obviously gives us, uh, kind of the, the best opportunity to win when he's out there along with, you know, our smaller lineup. Around him, and if if Omira can stay out of foul trouble, give us some points, and then you know some blocks and a little bit of defense around the basket, I think that's going to get State their best chance to win. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I have a lot of nostalgia and um, you know uh, warm fuzzies around Malika Boo just because of um, his time in NC State, his you know run to this Week 16 when he was a freshman, and um, I'm hoping he gets one more shot at advancing deeper into the tournament. Well, James, we really appreciate the time, and honestly, I'd like to talk to you more. But like you said, we do try to cover all three triangle teams. So uh, we got to talk some Duke and, and Carolina as well. But uh, thanks for coming on. We'd love to have you on again sometime. I appreciate that. Let, thank you for letting State go first in this discussion. Uh, it, I'm just I'm kidding, of course. But, um, but yeah, I really do appreciate you guys uh, having me on, and I welcome the opportunity to come back on and talk some more State with you. I love it. Yeah, now that we now when we put our show together, we kind of have to put state first. <laughs> <laughs> or you, you can edit, you can edit that out if you like. Speak it into existence. Appreciate it, James. Yep, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Boy, really great of James to stop by, and uh, that was pretty cool because he had a very good podcast, and uh, then he kind of just hit us up. We didn't know that he was listening to it, so 
it's nice to have him in our corner. No, definitely. And nice to get, you know, uh, NC State's fans' perspective on where things stand at the moment. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, we, talking to James, we covered a lot about NC State. But let's focus a little bit on their first-round opponent, uh, Seton Hall. I'm glad that I don't have to say second-round opponent anymore. I'm glad we're not doing that anymore. That wasn't that such a charade. It was. Gosh. And and now the, the Wikipedia pages were all messed up for a couple years. You were like, they got to the third round? Third round. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, That's they didn't make the Sweet 16? Yeah. Okay. But anyway. So, Seton Hall, first of all, it's the Pirates. So, NC State always loves to beat the Pirates. <laughs> yeah. Um, this Seton Hall team scares me. They're good. In fact, my first question to you was, do they still have that uh, Delgado guy? I think he's Cuban. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The answer is yes. They have that Delgado guy, they and do. he is a problem. They do. They do. This team, this Seton Hall team reminds me a lot of uh, the NC State team that started out uh, preseason rank six. You know, they were everyone's picked to win the ACC. Uh, CJ Leslie, Richard Howe, all those guys, they're like senior year or junior year, depending on which guy you're looking at. Sure. Because um, there's a lot of talent here. And, uh, you know, while the talent didn't necessarily live up to the expectations that they had going into, this, um, into the year, there was some high water marks, there, and then there were some other games uh, where you might have lost to Rutgers. So, uh, you know, give and take, it, it, they're, they're, they're a quality uh, eight seed in my opinion. Yeah, maybe underseeded. You could say. Maybe underseeded. So uh, you've got the stats out there. What, what are they bringing stat-wise? What yeah, jumps so, out off the page? Uh, apparently the two best players, you already mentioned on one of them, Angel Delgado. And I, I, I did as much homework as I could uh, here this 30 minutes that we prepped for this as soon as the brackets yeah, came out. Yeah, because this is <laughs> yeah, coming out this fresh. Is, this is raw. This is, <laughs> this is Unfiltered. Yeah, this is reactionary as it gets. Um, but then they have a, a 6'6 guard, Desi Rodriguez, to go along with that 6'10, Angel Delgado. So those two are the guys that get the majority of the points. And then uh, – you look at uh, – got a point guard, again, another senior. These are three seniors that lead this crew. Oh, okay. Uh, Kadeen Carrington, which is a name that rings a bell for me, which means he's probably pretty decent. So, <laughs> <laughs> is that how um, that works? That's how that works for me. No, but um, good at offense. I mean, good at defense. They're not a particularly fast team. The one thing they do well, um, they're efficient on offense, decent three-point and two-point shooting team. Not great at either one. But, but solid. But They're solid all around. Right, but they are an above-average offensive rebounding team, which has given NC State fits – here recently, so that is that is my one thing pointing out that at, the, at these numbers that sticks out to me is they are a top thirty offensive rebounding team in the country. Mm. So uh, NC State's going to have to box out if they want to uh, be competitive in this game. Do they take care of the ball, Seton Hall? Let's see here. Let's see turnover percentage. Eh, they're they're not great at it, but they average about eighteen turnovers a game. So, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, it, that's a, it that's is a lot. That is that is a lot. So. They rank 141st in the country in that, so not great. So, you know, maybe that's something where NC State could take advantage of. Um, but, again, we'll see. One thing I want to point out, we saw it in the ACC tournament. For NC State to be competitive in these one, two, three, however many games they play in the tournament, they cannot have any foul trouble to really their starting five, but essentially Torn Dorn, Omer Yurt 7, Markel Johnson, and Al Freeman. They don't necessarily need those guys to play great all game long, but they have to have those guys in the lineup because if the drop-off from either of those four guys to their replacements is not something NC State can live with. So that, that's my one key, and it sounds kind of stupid, but uh, NC State's pretty thin this year, so they're going to they're gonna need those guys to, to play and play decent if they, if they expect to advance in the tournament. Well, it's year one. You know, There's just not that much depth there, but – 
I, you know, I don't think that they should be just happy to be there, but not many NC State fans expected them to be there. So, like like James said, you know, expectations come with winning. So, it, you don't want it to be just gravy, but just the fact that they're there kind of is gravy a little bit. Quick correction. Uh, Seton Hall turns the ball over on 18% of their possessions. So, okay. So, that, I that's say, 18 that, is yeah, really that's, I started clicking some stuff because 18 sounded like a lot to only be ranked, you know, still slightly below average. But anyway um, – they're 141st in the country, so right around the middle mark of uh, as far as turning the ball over. They're not great at taking care of the ball, but they're not terrible at it either. Okay, so that's kind of what to look out for just very briefly on Seton Hall. So we'll move on now to North Carolina and Duke. We're now joined on the Triangle in Two podcast by our friend Turner Walston, the founder of the Argyle Report. Turner, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for reaching out. Good to talk to you. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Very, very funny guy, at Turner Walston, and also the Argyle Report, at Argyle Report. Um, Turner, you know, I have a, a ton of questions for you, and I know we have limited time, so I just want to jump right into this. What are your overall thoughts on this Carolina season? It was, it was kind of a roller coaster of emotions type season where um, I felt like Carolina looked completely unbeatable at times this year, and other times easily beatable what's your overall take on the season well if we can go back to october november uh i'm not going to pretend that well let me say this you win a national championship like it or not you kind of subconsciously give the team not a year off but they have some sort of leeway where you're still riding that high those things don't happen very often so the year after a national championship kind of like in uh baseball free agency, people jump to the NBA or, uh, you know, the the team that returns is not the same team that, that played that national championship. Um, right. So, so you kind of take what you have coming back and you, and you say, all right, well, let's roll the dice and see what we got. And uh, let's see, 2005, Carolina lost Rashad McCants, Raymond Felton, Sean May, Marvin Williams. And that team in uh, 05-06 came out and lost to a really good Illinois team in the Big Ten Challenge. But it's one of those where you lose, but you get a standing ovation because, uh, you know, you give the team this leeway where you think, okay, they're going to try hard. They just won a national championship. It's going to be fun. Now, when you start talking about what a fun team is, like this is a fun team to watch. It's fun to watch them grow up. There's this, you know, implicit they're not very good. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're not going to yeah. compete for a national championship, but it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch them grow up. Well, then they started winning games. They kind of figured things out. They went with that small lineup with Cam Johnson in the starting lineup, and they start winning. They win six in a row against good teams, and you think, okay, it's not just fun. To, it is fun to watch, but now we're raising the bar. We're raising expectations. Miami figured out how to beat them. Uh, in the last week of the season, just like teams in January did, which was make them shoot threes and then make them uh, overhelp on defense so you get open threes and Miami get their shots and to their credit beat the Tar Heels. And Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than leave it to Beaver reruns. Fucking <laughs> 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 quote the old Pete Gillen. God, I, I think, Andrew, if you, if you say Duke is Duke, you have to finish it with they're on TV more than leave it to Beaver reruns. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. But, um, yeah, 
And this team works really hard. They are one of the smallest starting lineups in the country, and yet they have the best rebounding margin in the country because they work. And, okay. Uh, you know, go ahead. You, you know, you kind of answered the question that I was going to ask you here. Now, it, working really hard is, is part of the answer. Um, I know you and I have discussed before how sometimes Roy uh, maybe – on Twitter, and, and maybe Twitter is a bad place to, to get this from, but sometimes people don't give Roy enough credit. I was going to ask you, how is it now three years in a row that Carolina has seemed to hit another gear this time of the year? Because, you know, they had that, that losing stretch, they lost three games, and then all of a sudden, you know, they play a small lineup, and yet they're rebounding more than anyone. I saw them take that up a notch. I think their defense has taken just a huge leap forward. And I feel like I'm watching the same movie that I saw the last two years. And, I mean, is it hard work? Is it Roy? How how have they been able to do this now three years in a row? Because they're, they're playing at a, another level right now than they were a month ago. Well, I think, uh, if I may, and brag on my alma mater's coach a little bit, he knows how to build a team and pace them in November so that they are peaking in March. And if that means taking a loss in a high-profile game, like they did against Michigan State back in the beginning of the year, so that they mm-hmm. figure out what their weaknesses are, retool, and keep doing that. He is a master. He doesn't get enough credit for watching film and figuring out how not to get beaten the same way the next time. And, uh, you know, they beat a very good Duke team that has, what, three lottery picks. And Yeah. And Carolina, I don't know that they have a lottery pick. I think Bill Berry might be a late first-rounder. Same thing with Theo Pinson. But we're not talking about the same level of recruiting talent, if you will. But you're talking about experience. You're talking about guys that know not only how to pace themselves for a season, but within a game. And I was really impressed. And you may have seen me tweet this uh, this morning, Andrew. Carolina played four NCAA tournament teams four days in a row this last weekend. They beat an 11 in Syracuse. They beat a 6 in Miami. They beat a number 2 in Duke. They lost to the number 1, number 1 on the fourth day, in a, you know, of playing mm-hmm. a fourth game. Mm-hmm. No shame in that. And as we know, Virginia is very good. And the NCAA tournament doesn't ask you to win four games in a row on four days. You just have to beat two teams on every other day for three weekends. And I think this team, if they play it one game at a time, they can make another run. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And um, I do want to touch on the ACC tournament in, in just a moment. But just first of all, uh, my two cents, I'm going to be honest. I was someone that after 05 and 09, I thought Roy was a, a, a good coach. I didn't think he was one of the all-time greats because I was kind of in that mindset of, well, he's had he's had the top talent when he was at Kansas and in 05 and 09. Uh, Carolina had more of that recruiting talent that you were speaking of. But over these, these last three seasons now, I've seen directly to your point where he will, he will build a team up over the course of the year where sometimes I look on the floor and I say, why are these two guys playing right now in this moment? And as yeah. I've watched them more and more, I see it's because he's getting them ready. And now you see Garrison Brooks is actually providing something really solid play. And uh, so I have come to, respect his overall in-game coaching a lot more over these last three years because I think uh, I think I was undervaluing it earlier. So just, just and Andrew, if, if I may, Roy will tell the media that it's not that he doesn't recruit 
uh, the, the guys who are one and done. He does. He goes after them. He hasn't been able to get them. I don't know if there's a perception that he's holding players back, and I hope Tony Bradley will help change that. But you see a Justin Jackson, a Joel Berry, the way that they have built Theo Pinson, Luke May. I mean, there is a pattern of development. And so if you don't have the one-and-done players, you have the three- and four-year players who have been there and have that grit and that heart to play as well right. as they have. Like, Right. Now, now getting back to that ACC tournament, you're 100% right, and I think Carolina, more than any team in the field this year, knows what it takes to win two games in a weekend and just move on. Um, I thought that uh, you guys at Argyle Report had some great articles today about the ACC tournament loss because you kind of told the story from both sides, and I'm curious as to where you stand on this. Uh, the one side was the, all of the positives that you can take out of that run because there's no shame in, in three quadrant one wins and then losing to the number one team. And then the other side was, you know, anytime you take a loss, here are the weaknesses, the flaws that were shown, and this is what needs to get cleaned up. Are you are you more on the you're happy with the three quadrant wins? It sounded like it. Oh yeah, and let me if I may brag on my Argyle Report writers for a second. That's Jackson Coward and Jack Leland. Each of them with completely reasonable reactions to the weekend. One is the potential they've showed. The other is okay, but Virginia exposed some weaknesses. And but yeah, I think uh, with escalating competition, as you know, the games get harder as the, the tournament goes on. This team will, you know, have to tighten things up. They might, you know, mm-hmm. no disrespect to Lipscomb, but they don't have to play their absolute best game to get past Lipscomb. But on the other hand, I don't think this team is one that can take a game off and then rebuild uh, for the next one. I think they need to just play at a high level and continue that and not try to slow down. But I'm very happy with the way they performed this weekend. I think their legs just were kind of dead for the the defense and the slow-paced offense that Virginia throws at you. You have to be patient. You have to defend in, you know, four games in four days. And, and Carolina was a little bit dead there in the second half. But, you know, a couple of threes rimmed out, a missed layup, and this game is very different. So I think um, yeah. you take take a lot of positives away from it, was my view. Now, I know you start with Lipscomb. I'm going to look past Lipscomb because that's their first tournament. They're just happy to be there. Uh, but outside of that, what do you think about Carolina's draw? Because from what I saw from Tar Heel fans on Twitter, most people were kind of nodding their heads slowly, saying, "Yeah, this is this is a pretty sweet draw." Yeah, and I and uh, Andrew, I have to be honest, I don't, I'm not as tuned in to the national seat. I don't know how good Xavier is, but I do know that you know you earn a number one seat, you have the respect of the committee, you deserve it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a it's a you know despite. The first impression is, oh, wow, this looks really good. But, you know, there's a very good Texas A&M team there. Get to the Sweet 16 and you have to go all the way to L.A. and you might face a Michigan, a Houston. Um, Gonzaga is there. Carolina knows them very well. And uh, Missouri is a is a pretty good team that not, might be a sleeper pick. And, and, of course, Carolina lost at Florida State. So it's tough. You know, the games get tougher as it goes on, as I said. It looks good. I think Carolina fans are happy to be that top number two seed, and I think they things set up well if they take that one game at a time. You got to get past uh, the mustache comb first. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just one game at a time, survive in advance. Uh, you know, you were talking about the the player development a little earlier, and I kind of want to get back to that because one guy that you didn't mention 
with Theo Penson in, in that development. And, and I think he is just that quintessential guy where he was a, a fairly high recruit. He was actually higher recruited than a, a more of a top rank recruit than, than a lot of guys. I think he was top 15. But he, we've seen him develop over time. We know about the personality. I mean, is there a more beloved player at Carolina right now? I feel like if Carolina is able to make another Final Four, Theo might have to get, I don't know, uh, a statue or, or a job on staff when he's done playing or something. I, he just He's just like that guy that should be around Carolina for a while. Yeah, he's one of those guys who, who was known for his personality, you know, before he was known for his uh, play. In terms of in his college career, he would crash the press conference. He would dance on the sidelines, <laughs> and you think, okay, there's there's funny Theo, but then he comes in and a little bit erratic early in his career, trying to find a fit. He did struggle with some injury, but now he is, you know, despite what the what the listings say in terms of position, he is the distributor, if not the point guard on this team. The court vision is phenomenal. And the way that he can get to the basket and finish or dish, Carolina has not – I don't know that Carolina has had that guy who is as good at slashing as he is at distributing uh, from that position. Now, you want him to uh, jump straight up and not wing back when he shoots his jump shots, but that's nifty. <laughs> Theo Penson is – yeah, he is beloved. He is entering Marcus Pace territory in terms of beloved targets. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been seeing, and and really, to me, he's the key guy because Barry and May have been been steady, but earlier in the season, it felt like every week Nathan and I were saying, you know, those guys are reliable; they just need some help, and somebody else has to step up. And over the last I don't, month or so, I mean, Penson has really stepped up, and he's been unbelievable. And I think that's kind of what's propelled Carolina to to that two seed. Um, and I'm curious. Because I feel like they absolutely earned it. They had by far the uh, number one strength of schedule. But what do you say to the haters that are upset because they point to Carolina having ten losses and Carolina being a six seed in the ACC tournament? Uh, do you just uh, do you just shrug them off? I think you look at strength of schedule. You look at Roy Williams and his team not afraid to take on the teams that they did take on. That PK eighty tournament field was outstanding. Um, it was. Carolina lost to Michigan State out there. You lose at Duke. There's no shame in that. Florida State's very good. You lost at Virginia. I mean, yeah, you don't. You can't really explain Wofford, but the teams that Carolina lost to, by and large, very good teams. And Carolina came up with a ton of really good wins and a great, uh, um, like I said, ACC tournament run. Which you know, Andrew, if if you take that and you you see that they played four NCAA tournament teams. That Virginia game was essentially an Elite Eight game, a number two versus a number one. Yeah. And so I'm saying Carolina, at the end of the season, one of the top eight teams in the country, and that's where where they got seeded. Yeah, and and Ken Palm would agree. In fact, uh, in the West region, Carolina is actually the highest-ranked team, according to Ken Palm. He has them at number seven. So, yeah, I think you're spot on right there. If you if you're in line with Kim Palm, you're usually on the right side of the argument, I think. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm proud of what this team has accomplished, and given kind of what they had coming back, who has developed, and again, no disrespect intended in saying this, super fun to watch. And given that I've got a national championship T-shirt in the closet at home, I'll just enjoy watching them, and, and whatever happens, happens. 
I gotcha. Uh, real quick, if I may, um, I know you don't cover them as much, but you have seen Duke now three times this year. I'm curious as to your thoughts of maybe what the Blue Devils are capable of in the tournament. I, w- I wasn't in Brooklyn, but I did see the Tar Heels uh, play. The, um, actually, I, Andrew, I've only seen them on TV. Um, <laughs> that's what I think about it. I just had a... Well, we're in the same boat then. Two days before, if I may, two days before the first Duke game, my daughter was born, our first, young Ruth Cecilia. So I was sitting at home with her in my arms. And uh, I think... It's it's weird that the Duke identity is really strange this year because you have Grayson Allen who's played with something like thirty different players as a senior, and you have a very freshman heavy team. If they are Marvin Bagley's team, they are one kind of team. If they're Grayson Allen's team, they're another kind of team. And frankly, I think they're better if they're playing through Allen. If he's playing his best, and Bagley, as good as he is, is more complimentary. Um, because Grayson Allen has that tournament experience. They're a tough team to pin down because, like I said, they're kind of multifaceted. But I don't know that the whole is as good as the individual parts, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and, and you're right. That's why I asked you is because I'm having I'm struggling to figure out where I want to pick them um, because I could, I could talk myself into taking them really far. I could talk myself into them losing to Michigan State. And I don't, I don't know what I'm going to decide. So, obviously, a lot of people are filling out brackets. I understand. I know we're doing something at, at Triangle and Two, and you guys are doing something as well at Argyle Report. I saw you guys have some uh, some nice prizes for the winners. Yeah, I, uh, Andrew, this is going to make me finish my book because I've, I'm offering the winner an early edition <laughs> of the of a signed copy. My book is about 65% done, but if I have that carrot out there, I will get it done at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah, over at Argyle Report, we've got a we've got a pick of going for some T-shirts and a chance to uh, appear on a podcast with our editors and writers. So this is something for uh, something fun for our readers and great motivation for you. Oh, exactly. That's really the main thing. <laughs> hey, if it's sixty five percent done in your mind, that means it's probably like eighty five percent done. But you know. You guys are always, you know, editing. I know I know you'll never be completely happy with the finished product, but really looking forward to the book when it comes out, Turner. Thank you, Andrew. It's really good to talk to you. Yeah, always, always great to have you on board. Thank you so much for the time. And uh, for those of you listening, if you if you haven't really checked out Argyle Report that much, uh, they do a great job on there. Again, those those articles today I thought were, were spot on. So, um, man, we'd love to have you on again sometime soon, Turner. Thanks, thanks for stopping by again. Let's do it, Andrew. Thanks a lot. So when you look at North Carolina's pod, if you will, they're in the West. It's interesting because they got the the top number two seed, but they had to go out West. Yep. But they're still in Charlotte for the first weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. Right. So you're going to have a home crowd advantage. Lipscomb, we're going to overlook Lipscomb. That shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, if that's a problem, we can talk about this on the next podcast. Yeah, Carolina <laughs> better beat Lipscomb right. or else the Lehigh jokes are going to roll in like crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, so Lipscomb shouldn't be a problem, but really the second round is what we kind of hone in on. You've got Texas A&M. You've got Providence. Neither one of those teams is really that good. Um, and as you would expect, a two-seed should make the Sweet 16. When I look at this big picture, I'm looking at the West, and I'm saying – and this is an easy this is an easy route for Carolina. And I saw a lot of quick takes from Carolina fans on Twitter saying, "Wow, we got we got a pretty nice path here." Uh, but you want to hone in on this first weekend. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's kind of the advantage of being a one or two seed, right? 
mm-hmm. you should make the Sweet 16 eight out of ten times, nine out of ten times. I mean, that, that, that's, that's why you do what you do in the regular season. Right. You, you, you can play in Charlotte and you can go play some teams that aren't as good as you. And that's exactly what the situation is here. Um, Texas A&M is a team that is dangerous. Um, you know, they've got some guys that drawn NBA looks. Um, they have two legit bigs down low in uh, Tyler Davis and Robert Williams who, again – Those sound like generic players they, when you, like, sim out a couple years yeah, on 2K. Right, it is. That's what it sounds like. But two bigs that, that, that – Again, people believe, or they believed coming into the year, we're going to play on the next level. Lottery picks, that type of stuff. So, um, Texas A&M has also b- battled some some injuries this year. Um, you okay. know, they got as high as ranked, I believe, fifth or sixth in the country. Yeah, at one they were point. way up there, and I'm like, get out of here, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. Texas right. Texas A&M is not the fifth best team in the country. Yeah. Then they proceeded to lose five in a row. So kind of kind of knock knock the shine off of the off of their but their luster for, right for there. For a seven seed, the fact that they do have a high ceiling is a little bit scary, right? Maybe and, right. Providence I mean, made the Big East final. That's yeah. a little bit scary, maybe. And that's on the other side, exactly. I mean, if if you're a guy that believes in oh you know playing playing hot at the right time or getting hot at the right time, excuse me, then Providence is a team that should scare you because they just went to uh, the Big East championship game and were a hair from from winning it really. So. Two teams that are certainly dangerous, um, but wouldn't scare you by any stretch of the not, imagination. Not as scary as a seven or a ten could be. Of course, what month is it? March. It's March. It so is March. anything could happen. But uh, Providence is what on Kempom? Like sixty something? Yeah, Providence is way down there. Like you had to scroll for a while. Yeah, I was. I thought I passed them, but then you know there they were hanging out down there at sixty three. Texas A and M on the other hand, thirty. So you know a respectable number that. That has given has shown it can beat Carolina this year. Okay, but if Carolina flat out, if Carolina rebounds the way that they've rebounded over the last month of the season, that's not going to be a problem. No, you wouldn't think they're in a Sweet Sixteen. Yep, yep. And it it's kind of funny because, and you know, I joked about this after their, after their game. You know, whenever Carolina lost to Virginia in the championship game, it's a team that you know is playing really well right now. Obviously, very well, very well. But it's such a like living in the moment type deal because you know a week a week ago they were coming off back-to-back losses and people were questioning what the deal was maybe not question what the deal was but they were they had some questions and now you know they're in the conversation for one seed and everything's rosy so and that's the thing about March it takes one bad game and all of a sudden you're going home so well, when Theo Penson steps up like that right they're a different team their outside shoot his outside shooting specifically has been great here for the last two three weeks and that's something that's taken Carolina to another level and his shooting overall yeah, I mean, it, it's been unreal. So, uh, Carolina, I honestly, I think I think they have the easiest path of all three triangle teams. Yeah, and they were the highest ranked seed out of all the triangle right. teams. So, right again, there you have it. And real quick, just if 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 Providence does find a way to beat Texas A and M and keep the train rolling, um, Kyron Cartwright was a guy that had a huge weekend in Madison Square Garden, hit big shot after big shot. Um, Alpha Diallo and Rodney Bullock are the other two guys you got to watch out for there. So those are the, those are the gunners for Providence that can give that can give you a problem, and uh, they like to turn it into a dogfight and win sixty to sixty two. So uh, Carolina fans won't necessarily love that. As we look at Duke now in the Midwest, uh, this is a a tough draw for Duke. They have a pretty tough path, and just focusing in on their first weekend again, Iona like Lipscomb shouldn't be a problem. Yep. Shouldn't be a problem. And the fact that they got a two seed and not like a three or a four, if they had slid down, maybe you could talk yourself into like a Duke early exit. 
But uh, I never pick 15 seeds. No. So I don't care about recent history. Um, <laughs> focusing then on Rhode Island and Oklahoma, though. Those teams are a little dangerous. A little more dangerous, I think, than Texas A&M and Providence. I don't know. I yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I certainly understand where you're coming from. I think – but neither know. one of them is great either. Like, let me just put this on the record. Oklahoma should not be in the field. Right, which is why I'm, like, struggling to say that they're a, they're more dangerous than a Providence or a Texas A&M because I feel like both those teams deserve to play. The, the thing about Oklahoma, we all know why Oklahoma's in the tournament. Here's yeah. why Oklahoma doesn't scare me for Duke at all. Like, if you've got a dynamic player, like a Trey Young, right, I feel like Coach K is not going to have a problem with that. I clicked their roster, and his name was the only one that came up. Exactly. Exactly. That's the guy. Right. I'm pretty sure that Coach K can can figure out a way to contain him enough. Do you even need to? Just give him the ball and let him shoot. He shot about 12% for the last month. Well, there you go. I mean, he couldn't keep up what he was doing. <laughs> no. um, but, I mean, we have seen, you know, big-time guys go through March before. But is he Kevin Durant? No. I don't know. No. Is he, is he like a Michael Beasley? No. I don't think so. He's not. Um. So, I mean, I think Rhode Island's going to win that game. I've actually seen Rhode Island play twice this year. Once was Davidson today. They lost. Um, And then they really struggled against Duquesne. (laughs) So, my two times seeing them, I've always seen them ranked pretty highly throughout the year, and I'm like, is Rhode Island really that good? Is Lamar Odom walking through that door? No, Like, who else played at Rhode Island that you can name? Nobody. Mm. So, the two times I've seen them, they have really struggled. Right. They've got a bunch of guards, though. Yep. We know how important that is in March. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're not a big team, so you'd think, you know, good luck handling Wendell Carter and uh, Marvin Bagley. Whenever you just look at the guys that play, their tallest guy is 6'8", and they got a couple of them. But they're a team that does force a lot of turnovers. So, again, you catch a guard-heavy team yeah. um, that forces a lot of turnovers, and, you know, if they have a good day shooting, you could be in trouble. That being said – I wouldn't expect that to be the case for for the Blue Devils. Nothing really stands out when you look at Rhode Island uh, that they do well. They do everything pretty okay. <laughs> That's probably the best the best way to say it. They don't play exceptionally fast. They're not exceptionally great at D. Um, I mean, again, but this is a team that only lost seven games this year. Uh, if you try to find a common opponent, they played Virginia on a neutral floor, and they lost by 15. So a lot of teams have lost by 15 for, to Virginia. Um, so I'm not sure that's anything to necessarily hang your head over. Um, but again, who knows? I, you know, I think Oklahoma talent wise would give them, give Duke the biggest problem, but I think, uh, Rhode Island's probably going to win that game. And then from there, I don't think they scare Duke too much. I, th- I think Duke should, should waltz into the, into the, the sweet 16. Yeah. And then probably have Michigan state waiting for them. So that gets tough. And we're about to break down the overall bracket as a whole. And when you look at this Midwest, I mean, it is it is really, really tough. Yeah. Duke's well, path to the Final Four, yikes. Yep. That's, again, that's, that's, that's knee-jerk, right? That's what you think? I remember a couple years ago there was a bracket like this where everyone was consensus, this is the toughest bracket. And it turned into the bracket that just got destroyed. That was the one where the 14 was coming out and – yeah, the, you know, I think that was the same year NC State beat Villanova, so the one seed was out. I mean, it was there was just a lot of a lot of madness going on, and I really, me personally, I can't wait for this year's tournament because there's teams aren't dominant. When you look at these two seeds, they've all lost 
eight, nine games for the most yeah. part. Carolina's I mean, got ten losses. Exactly. And and by the way, they deserve a two seed. Yeah. They had the hardest strength of schedule by far. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some salt on Twitter about Carolina getting a two seed. Yeah. And yes, they state were the six seed. I see you state fans. Nah, it was more from Duke fans is what I saw. But it was, <laughs> some, it was some fans. state fans too. <laughs> yeah. Um so while yes, Carolina was the sixth seed at the ACC tournament, so how are they the fifth seed nationally? I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but the strength of schedule was ridiculous. You could also say Carolina was tied for third in the ACC if you, you were could, to You really could also split, argue that split those Exactly. That's why sports are fun, right? You could throw some different arguments out there, and, and you could both be right up until that point. But if you say that Carolina didn't deserve a two-seed, like, yeah, they probably did. Right. I think they did. Yeah. Um, so Duke, though, got a got a much tougher region. You ready to go through this region by region? Let's do it. This is this is why we do it right here, right? This is the fun part. This is the fun, yeah. We get to look like idiots here whenever we play this back in a week. Just kidding. All my picks are going to be right. This is the year, the perfect bracket. So uh, you speaking of perfect bracket, we're going to do something a little special this year. Yeah. So we want to have a triangle in two bracket on ESPN's tournament challenge. It's going to be pretty simple. There's going to be no buy-in because that's illegal. You yeah. can't you can't have gambling. We don't legalize gambling here. No, but what we can do is we can Feds get watching. We can get an Amazon gift card. We can't do that. Like fifty bucks sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so it's free to enter, and whoever wins gets all the bragging rights. Um, we'll certainly tweet out. You do you want to make it like a hundred bucks if if we get a certain number? Is there like a threshold we can cross? I don't know, man. Did you get a raise recently? We'll talk about it. Okay, we're gonna get an Amazon gift card. Um, maybe Nathan will pay for seventy five percent of it. Maybe I'll sponsor it. Who knows? <laughs> Anyways, and then you can uh, get into the tournament challenge, and hopefully that'll be good. We'll have some good uh, banter back and forth. That's that's really our goal in this podcast. We just want to have good banter back and forth amongst Triangle fans. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is the most important event of the year. Mm-hmm. It's March Madness. That's what we live for in the Triangle. So uh, we're gonna do that, and then you'll get the bragging rights. You'll get the Amazon gift card. Uh, so. Definitely look out for that. We'll tweet it out. Nothing to lose. Absolutely. Do it. Absolutely. And if you finish last, maybe we'll have like an award for last place too. Yeah, we'll make it. No, a, that would encourage tanking. No, we'll, yeah. we'll turn it to the NBA. We'll make a certificate. You'll get you'll get your money back if you finish last. There, How about that? There you go. We'll make a certificate. <laughs> you can hang that in your office. Biggest loser. <laughs> so uh, let's let's go down the bracket here. We'll start in the South. Virginia, Creighton. Kansas State. I'm skipping over UMBC. Yeah. Uh, actually, I won't skip over them. Real quick, when when college basketball made a video game, I used to always be the head coach of UMBC because they were the worst team on the game, <laughs> and I wanted to like recruit and lead them to national glory. I never played it long enough to actually. I would get <laughs> yeah. them in the tournament, but I never got them to be a powerhouse. Uh, I day. would always like leave for another job because I would get bored. Yeah. With UMBC. <laughs> That's what most coaches do at UMBC. But yeah, but they, they hold a special place in my heart for that. <laughs> um, but when you look at the South, you and I have been itching to argue about this, and we've been kind of holding back the guns until until we turn the mics on. Right. So I don't know all your points, but to me, the South is the hardest region. Okay. And I know you want to argue with me. Yeah. So here are the teams in the South. Virginia, you got Cincy, you got – who's the three seed? Tennessee. Tennessee – Arizona, Kentucky, Miami, Nevada, and Creighton's the eight seed. Okay. That is a tough region. That is the, you know, in, in the World Cup, they call it the, the pool of death. Group of death. The group of death. <laughs> this is the region of death, the region of doom. Mm, okay. 
Virginia is the number one overall seed, and they got screwed. No, they didn't. They got us. Look, none of these brackets are going to be hard, first of all. I mean, going to be easy. Let's go ahead and get that straight. I will will agree. Right. So, I mean, you're going to have to play somebody at some point. And, again, I mean, we've talked about how we kind of, you know, all these teams have lost a bunch of games. I am not a true believer in Cincinnati. I'm not a true believer in anybody out of the AAC. They didn't do anything this season that impressed me. Um, I disagree with you there. And, and Tennessee, what, what region is tougher than the South? And Tennessee isn't isn't a world beater either. They're a three seed in the SEC, which, again, I don't think the SEC was great this year. I think the SEC has some good teams that can beat anybody, just like everyone else does. But the champion from the SEC this year was Tennessee and Auburn, co-champions. And Kentucky was a four seed. And so they just did nothing really. Nothing really scares me out of here. You want to talk about Arizona? They lost a ton of games this year with all that talent they're supposed to have. Um, and Kentucky, Kentucky is a, is probably the best five seed. I'll give you that. Kentucky okay. would scare me if I what, was in their seat. What region is better than the South? I think both the East and the Midwest have an argument to be better than the, the South. East and the Midwest. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the South is the third best region in this in this pool. And we can get on why I think that here in a second. Well, I don't want to get in. We're, we're going to break down the East by itself. You think the Midwest is tougher, don't you? Or do you think the East is tougher? Whichever think, one you think is the toughest. Just give me one. You can't give me two. Give me one. I'll pick it apart. I'll give you I'll give you the East just because I want to hear what you have to say about the East. Okay. Here's my. Here's why I think the South is the toughest region. Okay. It's It's depth. You're you you're biased against Cincinnati because you you see Cincinnati not being a tough two seed and you go ah it's not that tough or te- or Tennessee okay I've seen Tennessee this year they are good I've man. watched them play five that games is this year. a tournament team that I do not want to play they are rugged nah, Rick Barnes whatever Tennessee is good okay that's a team I don't want to see um, Arizona has as much talent as anyone yeah. in fact Arizona has way more talent than Virginia. How's that worked out for I this haven't year? made up my mind on Arizona if I'm going to pick them far or not because they have the talent You're to win it all. You're not because they lost and 10 they've games been, this they've year. And they've been kind of a train wreck. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Carolina lost 10 games. What does that matter? Do, do, you, do you really want to, do you want to bring up Carolina for so everything I say? So, the that point, for? I'm just saying you say 10 losses. I mean, whatever. Kentucky. They play in the Pac-12. You said Kentucky is the most dangerous 5 so Kentucky's good. Kentucky's excellent. Great. Um, Miami's the sixth seed over there. Right. Miami's good, too. They're – Whatever. And Nevada as a seven seed kind of seals it for me. When I saw Nevada in that region too, I was just like, goodness gracious, that is a tough region. You're crazy. You're crazy. Purdue, look, I'm, I'm just going to go down the east. We'll go, we'll go line for line. Purdue's better than Cincinnati. Texas Tech is better than Tennessee. Wichita State, eh, I'll give you that one over Arizona. West Virginia and Kentucky would be they, – they played already. That was a great game that West Virginia blew a 20-point lead in. Um, and then from there – Miami and Florida. Miami and Florida, well, Florida just beat your Kentucky that you're raving about by 30 about a week and a half ago. So, I mean, there, we're good. I mean, Florida would beat Miami. That's Florida's a good team. I don't think that I, – I think that if Purdue played Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati would win. You're insane. Um, Cincinnati? Tennessee's better than, ten, than Texas Tech. Cincinnati's not good. Tennessee is better than Texas Tech. Texas Tech should have won the Big 12, but their best player got hurt this year. Now he's back. They're good. Texas Tech is a dangerous team. Texas Tech is a team that I would not want to play because of what I just said. You're, you're playing a team that got its best player back, and, it, and they should have won their own conference, and they were, they were a three-seed in your, in your pool. That's not fun. Maybe. And, and you know what? It's funny because when, when a lot of people pick these brackets, like you're going to look at Kim Palm if you're smart. You should look at Kim Palm. You should look and see at what, what people are saying and maybe highlight some certain things in your bracket. Um, Nathan and I have had bracket podcasts before where – 
we discuss like, hey, take a team with good guards, you know, take a team that, that shoots a high percentage at the free throw line, right? There's certain things. Take a team that rebounds well. Like, those are things you look for, right? Right. But we still have our inherent biases where when Cincinnati pops up, like, you're still going to look at them, but in your mind, Cincinnati's just not that good. No. Because you, you don't have a lot of respect for the American, right? Correct. When I look at the East, and maybe this is my bias, I mean, this is my bias, and maybe you're right, but when I see the East, I go, eh, West Virginia doesn't really scare me. Wichita State's not the same. Uh, Florida's not that good. Texas Tech, way overrated. I'm, I'm, I'm biased against Big 12 teams. I never think Big 12 teams, because they usually choke in the tournament. Okay. okay? Texas Tech, But that nah. long conference record of the AAC just put all the stock in because you know and they're going to Arkansas go is probably going to beat Purdue, so they're not going to be sitting there. Purdue, I don't see going that far. So maybe I'm biased against the East, but to me the South is way tougher top to bottom. Well, we can just agree to disagree there because we haven't even talked about the Midwest, which is also better than the South. But we, we can do that here in a second as we talk about the, the brackets one by one. Okay, so back to the South. Okay. Virginia to the Sweet 16, no problem, right? Right. And then you've got a Kentucky-Arizona that's going to be a great round two matchup. <laughs> that's going to be a, 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 a knife fight. This is gonna be, that's and be whoever comes out of that is going to give, is gonna give uh, Virginia some trouble. Possibly, but you watch those young guys against Kentucky try to play that system of Virginia or the just the, the as using your words, the train wreck that Arizona's been, try to match up with Virginia, and I think uh, – I think that's going to be a fun fun game to watch. And then the top seeds out of the bottom, like I don't think Texas is that good. Again, Big 12, miss me with Big 12. Okay. But Nevada, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Miami, that Loyola-Chicago team is really good as well. Yeah. Like that might be an upset. We're, we said we're going to highlight some upset specials. Right. I think Loyola has a very good chance to beat Miami. Yeah. Um. So that bottom half of the bracket is not easy either. I mean – just to me, I just see every year I see maybe maybe it's not the toughest. I I still think it is, but every year I see a region where I go, oh my bracket's gonna look ugly in that region, <laughs> yeah. and that that's that region for me because I see one through seven could easily make the uh, the elite eight upset I think. special. I ne- think Nevada to the Sweet Sixteen question mark. I, I'm just saying I think Nevada could maybe go on like an elite eight run. Yeah, it's because like they're good enough to it's do because so. the bottom of this bracket is way overseeded. Whenever you got teams like Cincinnati and Tennessee, and Miami has been wishy washy all year long, so I don't even know what to expect from Miami. We'll see. But that's right, my personal. So that's the South. So the who South. are you taking out of the South? Virginia. I, I I'm picking it this year. That's going to happen. Virginia's going to the Final Four. I'm I'm a believer. I've been a slight believer all year. But they just keep getting the job done. And, yeah, they slow the game down. And, yeah, they keep teams in the game. And, yeah, they can run into one hot team and it's a, it's a wrap. But the, those guards they have just carry them. And they're, they're, that uh, that big freshman they have down low, Hunter, has yeah. turned into a big, big problem. Which, P.S., yeah. that guy is going to win Defense Player of the Year in two years. And he's probably going to be on, like, the first team, all ACC, and average, like, 18 and 10. It's going to be really annoying. He's going to be a problem. Here's the thing about Virginia, and I, I – Maybe this is why I dislike this this region also, is because if I don't pick Virginia to the Final Four and they go, I'm gonna feel like an idiot. Right. I'm gonna feel like a huge idiot. <laughs> yeah. uh, because this is this got brought up in our group text uh, about how Virginia is maybe the most dominant ACC team that we can remember. Not in terms of like, hey, do they have the most talent and and you know are they the overall best team? Could they beat some of the great ACC teams in the yeah. past ten years? No, they're they're not. Right. But in terms of you're talking about seventeen and one in the league, and then they won the ACC tournament. Just what they did was more dominant than any other team. Pretty pretty good. They're not better than some of these teams, 
they're not. I don't think they're better than like 2015 Duke or 2012 Carolina. Right. But what they did was more impressive than any of those teams. So if I don't pick them, I'm an idiot. But if I do pick them and they don't make the Final Four, I'll feel like an even bigger idiot because I trusted Tony Bennett. <laughs> you don't trust Tony Bennett. Yeah. No that's, no, that's a stupid narrative. I hate that narrative. You're trying to push my buttons now, aren't you? I see yes. you over there. Yes. Hey, man. Yeah. Do it for the Raiders. Tony Bennett just can't win tournaments. Oh, what? Don't let me turn into Skip he, Bayless over He just here. won the ACC tournament, you said? I will never turn into Skip Bayless. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. I'll smack you long before that yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, I will not do that. <laughs> but that's why I, I just – I don't know about this this region, man. I could talk myself into like – I wouldn't talk myself into Miami, but I could talk myself into Nevada. Like I could talk myself into like six different teams winning this region. No one in the bottom is coming out of this region. Take that to the bank. You could you could talk me into Arizona, Kentucky, or Virginia, but no one in the bottom is coming okay. out of there. All right. Let's move to the east. All right. All right. Villanova is the number one seed in the east, and I think Villanova is incredible. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think they're really, really good. I am picking Villanova to win this region. Okay. And that might also be why I don't think that the east is as tough, because I think that there is a clear winner of it. Yeah. And I don't see that in the South. That's fine. I mean, I, I, I think you're you're not wrong with what your, your your thought process. Here's what I'll say, though. If Villanova goes down to a team – Villanova's path is essentially a bye, 16 game, right? Then I hope I see Villanova versus Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech's ceiling, again, guard-dominant guard dominant team, driving kick, lots of threes, trying to speed the game up on you, is really high. And I would love to see that matchup between Villanova and Virginia Tech. And then from there, I hope that I see a Villanova-West Virginia game. That would be fun. Because, again, it's, it's a style. We're trying to impose our will on you. Um, but I think, I, think there's, I think there's good teams scattered throughout this bracket, even when you look down and see a Butler as a 10 seed. Like, Butler is a team that I think is pretty good and could cause some havoc down there on the bottom half. So I don't um, like how you just skipped over the Radford Highlanders. Like, there's some kind of buy for Villanova, okay? Don't look past Radford, all right? <laughs> I didn't even see that. Like, we got a little LIU-Rad. <laughs> I didn't even see that there. But anyway. No. Um, is this the year 16 takes down the one? Is it? It could be. It's going to happen eventually. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it will happen. I am a, a believer of that. And when it does, it's going to be just... It's kind of like... Uh, it's going to be amazing. It's kind of like believing in aliens when you think about it. Is like, it? most people most people agree there's so many billions of stars in, in a single galaxy, and there's billions of galaxies. Like, there's probably other life out there. Right. You know, it would be kind of weird if there wasn't. Okay. But there's no proof of it. Okay. So, 16 seed, beating a one. Like, you know that the, the odds are really high that eventually... You run the simulation enough times, right? Yeah. It's going to it's going to happen, right? But there has been zero proof of it. Yeah, one day maybe, right? Maybe that was too much of a stretch. That was it was a big stretch. Yeah, I'm glad you saw it. I'm good for those. <laughs> yeah, you are good for I'm that. I'm good for those. <laughs> um, yeah, 16 beating a one is like believing in aliens. But look, yeah, look out though. Look out for Texas Tech. I'm telling you, you're a hater. That's fine. Team's good. Team's really good, and they got their best player back, and they're rounding into form. Hopefully. This 8-9 seed is juicy. I really like Virginia Tech and Alabama. I think they're both dangerous. Alabama's got some pros. Yeah, Colin Sexton is amazing. Yeah. Um, and like you said, all the things you said about Virginia Tech, I agree with. Shooter. So. Shooter on the wing, too. Petty. Don't forget about him. If okay. he's open, it's, it's over. Um, Wichita State doesn't really scare me. Um, Florida, whatever. Again, Texas Tech, they got their guy back fine. Um, the bottom half of this bracket doesn't really scare me. I do think Arkansas has a good chance to beat Purdue. 
I do. Hmm. Purdue's got the they just I think I'm they, more in on the SEC than you are this year. Yeah, I would guess so because uh Purdue has a host down low who's just I think to paraphrase John Beeline, he said something like he's the biggest human being I've ever seen in my life. Um uh, something <laughs> like that. Uh quick anecdote. Yeah. Uh I was at the Battle for Atlantis yeah. and Purdue was there. Right. And before one of the games, I went to the resort area to get a workout in. Yeah. So it was pretty tight in there already. I'm lifting weights. And then like seven or eight Purdue players come in there with their strength coach to lift some weights also. And they're lifting weights next to me. And I see two dudes from Purdue. One of them is Haas. One of them is another guy. I can't remember his name, but he also plays. Mm -hmm. They're both seven footers. And they're like lifting weights right next to me in the mirror. (laughs) And I'm just like, how are we the same species? (laughs) Like these guys are giants, yeah. Um, and and it was then that I knew that Purdue was probably going to be pretty good. There you go. Um, also, there was a guy lifting next to me that was like exactly like me. Walk I was on. like, oh, this guy must be a walk on. Yep. And um, no, he plays for them. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> that's I funny. forget his name. Hey, look, Purdue's got good guards, and they got and they got Haas down low. I mean, they they're a team that's been there before. And uh, they, I don't think the, the spotlight necessarily is going to be a big deal for them. I hope I get to see a Purdue-Texas Tech game. P.S., if you're watching Texas Tech, I, I'm going to be honest with you say I can't remember the guy's name. I'm going to look it up after I tell the story, which I probably should have done before. Yeah, um, probably, yeah. Pogo sticks for legs. Like, amazing, freakish athletic dunker. So if you see a guy that just jumps out of the gym for Texas Tech, just know that's him. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I just not – and that's that's some of my bias. Like I'm I'm more pro SEC this year. I'm down on the Big Twelve. I'm down on the Big Ten. That's just where I'm at from what I've seen in college basketball this year. You're just a hater. By the way, there's an interesting phenomenon in March Madness that I've found, and it's that the more basketball I watch during the year, and the more I actually know, the worse my bracket is. And the years that I that I'm busy and I I'm not able to watch as much regular season basketball. And I, I just look at teams and, and really have no clue about them. That's when my bracket is at its best. Oh, yeah. Ignorance is bliss. That's not even a phenomenon. That's just like straight facts. That's just the way, that's just the, way the world works. Well, it just doesn't make any sense to me, though, because when I watch more college basketball, I should know. I'm like, oh, I've seen this team a couple of times. Like, I actually know about them. True story from college. I, ran a, I was always the guy that ran the pool in college, right? So you get 40 people in or whatever. Everyone throws in. Just kidding. No one gambled. We don't gamble. That's that's illegal. It was uh, college. Right. You're allowed to do <laughs> yeah. minor illegal things. So then uh, we had probably five girls out of 40 that were in it. It was just usually a bunch of my friends and all the girls like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, which is fine. Five of them did it. Probably watched a grand total of like 10 games all year between the five of them. First, second, and third, all chicks. So, so it's not just, because they were girls. You're bringing it up because Because I, I know they didn't like, yeah, this was – who does this guy play for? No, he doesn't. All right, you, you, that was like the conversations. Oh, what's their mascot? Yeah, okay, cool, that one. Yeah, like that. It was like the stereotypical, stereotypical conversation that you're thinking in your they head right now. They have with people where it's like, yeah. they they don't know anything about basketball. First, second, third, swept it. So there you go. That's how it works. That's. I mean, I should probably not watch college basketball as much, but I love it, so I want to watch it. Then I talk myself into a team that I saw play really well on January fifth. And then they <laughs> they lose by fifteen to a team that I saw, you know, yep. that was that was not very good. And I go, what is going on? And then mm-hmm. I get upset. But <laughs> that's just that's just what happens with the bracket. Let's let's move down. Let's move down the bracket to the Midwest. Let's do it. So Kansas is the number one seed, and they're going to play the winner of Seton Hall and NC State. Yes. So we've already broken down, obviously, Seton Hall a little bit. Yep. Bigger picture in this bracket 
Clemson's a bad four seed. I'll say it. Yeah. Or a five seed, pardon me. Um, Auburn is the four, right? Yes. Okay. I'm looking at the bracket, but it's far away, so I can't. My eyesight's not good. I got you. Um, TCU is here. Meh. Big 12. Meh. Uh, Michigan State, awfully, awfully good. Um, And then we already kind of broke down Rhode Island and Oklahoma and, of course, Duke. So this is the bracket that we've kind of talked about the most because NC State and Duke are in the Midwest. Yes. So this isn't a walkthrough for Kansas by any means. No, it's this not. This is probably the most top-heavy region to me. Yeah, and and exactly. Those are the words I was about to use because the, the reason I think it's, it's, again, tougher than the South, kind of rehash on our conversation we were having earlier, is because there are more teams in this bracket that I think could win the national championship than there are in the South. Kansas, Duke, Michigan State. Easily. And then, you know, um, yeah, that's it. So those three right there make this bracket kind of the meat grinder in a way. And then you've got, again, a team – like Auburn, who has shown that they can play with anyone in the country, although one of their one of their rotational guys, one of the, one of their starters actually, just went out for the season, so that's going to hamper them. Same still with same deal with Clemson, uh, you know, losing Devontae Graham. It wasn't super recently. Dante Grantham. Dante Grantham. Devontae yeah. Graham's a different guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's the um, guy at Kansas. Exactly. So, yeah. again, TCU shown they can play with a lot of teams, but just in general, the the the. The fact that Michigan State's a three seed in this bracket and may very well win the national championship, in my opinion, speaks to kind of the depth of this bracket, especially having Duke and, and uh, Kansas at the one and two. Yeah, it's it's really top heavy because I, I don't really trust Auburn that much. I know I'm good SEC. I'm I'm going SEC a lot in this in this discussion, but yeah, with Dante Grantham out, just for any Clemson fans listening, I said they're a bad they're a bad five seed. It's because Dante Grantham's out. Yeah. They scared me a ton with him. I thought they were a really good basketball team. Without him, they're not nearly as dangerous. Hate it for him. Torn ACL. That sucks. Uh, but it is what they're, it is. Just, they're, just, they're just not that good without him. Matter of fact, watch, the, watch that New Mexico State team coming in there uh, with, against Clemson in the first game. That would be my one upset special that, I would, that, I, that, I, that I'd look at in this bracket and think, huh, interesting. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, you know, we were talking about some of the things that you look for in your brackets. One thing we've discussed on the podcast before is always pick Michigan state one game further than you think they're going to go. Tom Izzo always does that. Um, that's going to be interesting because you definitely think that they're going to at least meet Duke. Yeah. So then do you take him over Duke? I believe Tom Izzo has beat coach K once in his career. Yeah. And he didn't beat him earlier this year when they played. And that was before the freshmen really knew what they were doing at all. Right. So I'm going to have a hard time picking Michigan State over Duke. For that reason, I don't think Michigan State is going to win the national championship. But right. if I should probably follow my own rule and pick them there. One of the other things that we like to talk about is there's always a team that everyone craps on getting in the tournament. Like, oh, there's no way this team belongs. Like VCU, whenever they went to the Final Four, was like the originator of that title. Mm-hmm. Um, Syracuse this year was probably that team now where everyone's like, how in the world did Syracuse get in the tournament? There's no way they belong in the tournament. Pulling TCU after their playing game could be something to watch there as well. And Syracuse is playing Arizona State. Exactly. The other team that has no business being in this tournament. Right. Let me tell you what. The Pac-12 is terrible, and they were the nine seed. That tells you all you need to know. James Harden does not play for them. Okay? Arizona State is not good. Yeah. Not good at all. No. Another team similar to Texas A&M ranked in the top five at one point this year where everyone was high on them, and they just – just crashed. Really. I don't think I'm going to even do any research on that game. I'm going to blindly pick TCU because 
Syracuse and Arizona State don't deserve to be there. Yeah, just out of principle. You We're just, talking about just pick that bracket bracket out of principle. We're talking about Oklahoma State's not in there. St. Mary's isn't in there. Speaking of principle, real quick. Notre Dame isn't in there. Yeah, speaking of principle, real quick. Louisville, um, Oklahoma State, and there's one more team on the bubble USC. I'm forgetting about. USC. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Tied up in this NCAA investigation deal. Mm-hmm. Coincidence? Right. Mm-hmm. All left out. Meanwhile, Syracuse and Arizona State are in. Eh, I'm just saying, just chew on it. Coincidence? Put your tinfoil hat Syracuse on. Syracuse has been the cleanest program known to man. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Hmm. But, you know, you're not, you're not taking the shine off the NCAA this year. There's other teams that are doing that. So, hmm, interesting, interesting. They don't deserve to be there. And real quick on Notre Dame, they straight up said that Davidson stole Notre Dame's bid. Notre Dame was the 69th team. Nice. I'll say it for you. Nice. <laughs> um, Notre Dame should be in this field. Nope. Notre Dame should absolutely be in this field. You got Arizona State and Syracuse over here, and you don't have Notre Dame with Bonzi, with Farrell in the, in the field. I Get agree. Here, I man. agree that Notre Dame should be in ahead of both Arizona State and Syracuse, but – all three of those teams should not be in the NCAA tournament. Oh, what a nuanced argument. There, there you go. Okay. Um, to the west we go. Go west, young man. Go west. Xavier's the one seed. Are they good? Are they better than Cincinnati? They're like the same team to me. Um, they're from the same city. They play the same style. Like They're, they're the same team, they're I be- feel like, every year. They're both really good every year. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong there. But. So, like to me, they're the same. Um, X-Men get the one seed. This is Carolina's bracket in the West. So we've already kind of talked about the bottom with Texas A&M and Providence down there. Um, Missouri's got that kid. What's his name? Porter. Porter Jr. Michael. Two of them. Yeah, yeah. they got Jonte and Michael. Michael. So Michael's the good one. Um, Jonte is like the like Leangelo. Like pretty solid. He's the Leangelo of the brothers. But he's pretty. He's better than Leangelo, right? Okay. We can, we can hope. Um Ohio State's a five seed that they were really good earlier this year. You know, first year coach, like great story, but uh, they're they're not that good to me. Uh, UNCG is in the West, yeah, and just drew a terrible matchup. Like there's a, there's some four seeds where I would look at that UNCG uh, team and I'd say, hmm, you absolutely, know, it could happen, absolutely. But I think Gonzaga is really good, yeah, and I don't. Eh. Don't you hate that? I know. Like, I hate when I have some dark horse teams where I'm like, that team's better than what they're going to be seeded. Right. And then they run into a legit team. Yes. I want them to face a shaky team. Like, if they were playing Auburn, I might be like, hmm. Exactly. A shaky four. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know? If they, I mean, but let's face it. If they were playing Arizona, Arizona's also a four. They're not shaky to me. They should be. You have this, like, you saw Arizona play down at Battle for Atlantis. And I feel like you think that Arizona is like if they played Wichita State, maybe <laughs> like maybe I would talk myself into You're it. Just gonna ignore me, but not Arizona. Gonzaga and not Arizona. Yeah, I me? saw Arizona in person. They're <laughs> hella good, man. They are hella good. You're so high. You might be the highest person on Arizona in the whole country. Like their fans aren't as high on Arizona as you are. I'm not an Arizona fanboy. <laughs> this I just, year you might listen, be. Listen, listen. If you see DeAndre Ayton no, in I get person, it. look, I, I look, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. If but you, you see just, him in person, you're like, what? Yeah. Like he looks like Dwight Howard. Like, like he is. He is like the next Giannis. He's the next Kristaps. And and if you see him, you're like, how? So, yeah, I'm biased because DeAndre Ayton and they have a senior point guard, PJC. They've got Alonzo Trier. They've got a legit score. 
Uh, they've got uh, Raleigh Alkins. Can't forget his name. His name's Raleigh. Yeah. Um, th- that team is really good. They've got like a, a, some studs off the bench. They got sizes. Arizona has everything. Let's let's get off Arizona. Anyway. I, I can talk about Arizona for a while. Yeah, I know. That I, team I, is, I believe that. That team is so good. Like if they don't <laughs> if they don't go deep in this tournament, Sean Miller done messed up big time. He might have already done messed up. That team is by far talent wise the best team in the country. Oh man. But are they gonna put it together? I don't know. I can't tell you that. Yeah, I kind of hope they go on a long run just so I can <laughs> bring this up in future podcasts and say, see. Yeah, and, and you know what? If that happens, I will shake your hand because you have been beating that Arizona drum for a long time. Anyway. And it, because you brought it up. This year, <laughs> this year is going to be – let's go on this tangent. All right. This tournament out of all the tournaments is going to probably be the least chalky. There's not that many top, top teams, top dogs – there's a lot of good quality teams, and I think you and I both think that this 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 March Madness is going to be more fun than just about any. Yeah, it's going to be so good. Yep, you don't have a you know a Kentucky whenever they had Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis where they're just head and shoulders above the field. There's not two or three teams that are just that much better. I mean, when you're one seed, you're looking at you know a Virginia and a, and a Kansas who hasn't been as dominant as they always as they usually are, and an yeah. Xavier. Like, there's room there for teams to. For March to happen, really. I mean, that's yeah. the best way to say it. Remember when Mike Davis took um, Indiana to the title game? Yeah, it was like against a, Maryland. Yeah, that was, and and it was just a wild. They're yep. like, oh wow, this is a weird matchup, and Maryland won, and that that year was weird, right? Yep. Speaking of Mike Davis is back in the tournament with Texas Southern. Hey, they're playing Central game one, <laughs> uh, Swack versus Miak. So. The reason I bring that up is because that is why it's not because I love Arizona or something. I just basically saw how much talent they had, and I see everybody else, and I go, "There's really not that many top dogs." So when you, when you, when you have a team that does have that much talent, I, I feel like they should be so so good. Um, but really, outside, there's like 12 teams that could win the title, and then the gap between them and everybody else isn't that big. I think you're gonna have some surprise teams in the Sweet 16 for sure. Yeah, we always have that. But then I think there's gonna be some matchups where you're like, "Oh." They're they're to the elite eight. Wow. Yeah, I gotcha. You know, I would ne- would never pick that. Yeah, and it'll be a random team that I won't. You know, it'll be like I don't know, Houston. Like yeah, Houston type team or like a Seton Hall type. But probably team. not Houston because they play in the AAC and that conference sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I say I brought up Seton Hall not because they play NC State, but just because Seton Hall is like a random type team that in my mind, like, I never give them that much credit. Right. Like, just teams that I kind of gloss over. They're often in the tournament, but okay, whatever. Yeah. Houston Houston fits that bill. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I agree. I mean, we just named teams that play State and Carolina. <laughs> Who's in Duke's region? Yeah, TCU. TCU will be, like, an Elite Eight team, and you're like, how? Yeah. I was supposed to pick TCU? Look. You ever talk to your bracket, you start getting mad? Yeah. Like, really? I was supposed to pick TCU? Hey, one one thing real quick. Speaking of getting mad at your bracket, if you're listening to this, please, please don't don't tweet us after the first game on Thursday at what the the first game usually tips off at like eleven forty five. Don't don't tweet out at one forty five like oh one for one. Maybe this is it. Maybe maybe this is the year of the perfect bracket. Like just don't do that. I don't please. Think, I don't think our listeners will do that. Well, we're about to find out. I give them more credit than you. Because I, I think out of out of out of all of our listeners, I think there's someone that's like, oh man, that that's a funny tweet. I'm gonna tweet that out. That'll probably get a couple likes. Like, no, no one thinks that's funny. Just save it, save it. Don't man, do that. Man, you are a Scrooge. I'm just saying. 
Don't don't act like you like reading that tweet whenever it comes across your timeline. I just I don't think about that tweet until I see it. Yeah, Man, you're and then preemptively what, striking. And it. then what do you think when you do see it? Like, I oh go, my gosh. Huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That that look right there. Ah, man. It bothers people, me. People are going to do dumb stuff on Twitter, man. I try to I'm just trying I to, try to scroll through for the diamonds in the rough and just leave the rest. I'm just trying to not clean, think about the rest. I'm just trying to clean up our timeline over here. Make make it make it worth its while. All right. Now, we didn't really break break down the West as much. Like, who do you got coming out of this? You got Carolina coming out of it? Mm, I'm just saying watch out for Michigan. Like, if I had if I had to bet my life on someone, it would probably be Carolina. Um, but Michigan and Xavier are no slouches either. And then, like I already said, I really think Gonzaga's really good. I realize I just named the top four seeds, which is pretty chalky. But uh, I really like the, the top four seeds for a reason. I really like the Gonzaga team this year. And no one really knows about them because they've kind of turned over their roster from last year's team right. that, went, that played but Carolina. They did play for a natty. Right. I mean, I, th- I think, uh, I think, I think they're, they're really good. Okay. So we, we have spent a lot of time on this. Are there any – what else do you want to put in? We kind of named our favorites. Like, who are you picking for the national title? Who are some – let's just, let's just do that. Who are dark horses? Like, who you got? Do you want to go Final Four real quick? Like, just knee-jerk Final Four? Knee-jerk. But also, please don't tweet at us because, like, we're doing this on Selection Sunday. So, we haven't done – this is not going to probably be what my bracket is. But knee-jerk, sure. Tweet at me. This is my bracket. Signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm giving you the answers to the test before it happens. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I told you I'm already riding the Tony Bennett train. Um, Michigan is hot. I, t- I said if I had to bet my life on care, I would on Carolina, but I'm going to choose Michigan. So we got UVA and Michigan over there. Uh, I'm going to go Michigan State coming out of the Midwest. Tom Izzo finally figures out how to beat Coach K. Finally. And then... In the East, I'll go Villanova. And then for the national championship game, I'm going to have Michigan State and UVA with Sparty cutting the nets down. Take it to the bank. Michigan State. That's your knee-jerk bracket. Knee-jerk bracket. Okay. Sparty. Give me – hmm. Why not? It's knee-jerk. Again, yeah. this probably isn't what my bracket's going to be. <laughs> Give me Arizona up top. Why <laughs> not? Ride that horse, baby. Give me Arizona up top. Give me Xavier down in the West just because that seems like they're the worst number one seed, so people just discount them completely as if they didn't earn a number one like seed. Like Oregon last year. Yeah, exactly like yes. Oregon last year. Yep. And I am one of those people that always overlooks that team, and then they're in the Final Four, and I go, oh, God, they were a one seed. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's That was one of our, our categories we used, we used to break down. Yeah, the overlooked one seed. Yep. Uh, so give me Xavier over there. Give me Nova for sure. Okay. Um, that will be in my bracket. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I really don't want to pick Kansas. That's way too chalky. Yeah. Uh, to pick three number one seeds. But like I said, like Duke, Michigan State, Clemson, Duke has, if I'm rolling with the talent team, like Duke has more talent. So yeah, give me that talent final four where it's yeah, like, you got Arizona and Duke in your final Arizona four. Arizona and Duke in the final four. Yeah. So then, uh, give me, let's see. I'm not going to pick Xavier to go to the national championship game. So give me <laughs> Arizona Sean Miller and Sean gets Miller the job done. against Nova. Okay. And uh, Nova will cut down the Jay nets. Wright cuts yeah, it down for the, the second battle time for Atlantis in three years. bracket right there. I hear you. I'm going to take Nova over Arizona. <laughs> I like it. Well, we, we should... In my actual bracket, by the way, I might pick Arizona to lose in like the second round. No, you but... cannot do that. If you do that, I'm going to make so much fun of you. I just want you to know that. I just want you to know that. But knee-jerk reaction, yeah, I love Zona. 
I'm going to try. Here's what I'm going to do over the next like 48 hours. I'm going to try and talk myself out of Arizona because <laughs> I acknowledge that they have been kind of a train wreck. Okay. It's just like, you're that's just a, me. You're in such a weird spot with that's Arizona. That's just me, man. I just see, I see the good in people. You want to love I them. see the potential. Yeah, you want to love and, them. And I always try to see the best in people. Yeah. And when I see the best in Arizona, I'm like, yeah, that's the best. Exactly. That's, okay. You're not wrong. But yeah, give me Nova, Jalen Brunson, Bridges, DiVincenzo. Give me those guys. I am going to pick them to win the national championship. Okay, fair enough. I like where your head's at. Isn't this fun? So much fun. It's yeah. going to be even more fun once they tip the ball up. The ball goes up. Oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that no, that's that's too far away. I don't I don't even want to hear thinking about one shiny moment. There's a long way to go before now. That's why I wanted to make sure that that was knee jerk reaction, and we were not giving you like, hey, these are our stone cold lock picks because, um, you know, in a podcast form. People can go back and listen to it a couple weeks later, and a lot of people I know like knock out these podcasts kind of like three in a row sometimes if yep. they get behind. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want my bad picks to be one shining moment frozen yeah. in time when you know Arizona gets beat in the first yeah, round. Yeah, Arizona is the Titanic, and you are Jack. So just love it. Oh, man. That's harsh. <laughs> All right. We should wrap this thing up. Let's do it. Remember, follow us at triangle and underscore two, and definitely keep an eye out because we're going we're gonna to pin that tweet, I'm sure, where we're going to have our bracket challenge. It's going to be exciting. Again, it's free to enter, and then we'll give away a gift card, and you'll have bragging rights as well, and we'll tweet about you, and, and you can get all the uh, spoils of victory. That's really what you get for winning. And hopefully we can get a lot of people in here, and we'll have like a really good bracket. I will take a lot of pride if, if our winning bracket is in like the 99.9 percentile. Yeah, absolutely. That would be good. I don't want it to be like 95th percentile. That's not good enough. Bring the heat, listeners. Bring the heat. Cool. We'll catch you guys next week. For Nathan, I'm Andrew. This has been the Triangle and Two Podcast, sponsored by Yates Contracting, LLC.